Evening, everyone. It's great to be back here this evening and have a chance to spend some time in Belfast in Northern Ireland seeing a number of folks. OMF have given me three weeks back here in Northern Ireland. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, my name's Trevor Warner, as Glenna said. I work for Overseas Missionary Fellowship based in Kent in Maidstone. Um, the, uh, I have the privilege to work with a wide range of people and for some of you, you will know what I've done in the past, and some I'm going to talk about some of that later on when I, when I speak from God's Word. But right now, I just want to give you a brief update of what I'm doing with OMF and um, how that's been going. So I work in a project called Bridge Asia. This is a volunteer project. And if you know Nathaniel and Donna Jennings, they are the Ireland representatives, mobilizers in Ireland for OMF. And they encourage people who are thinking about going in mission. They coordinate with churches who want to send people overseas to reach the people of East Asia with the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to how they can play a part in that. But if you can imagine, Don and Nathaniel are two people. And so we are looking to get volunteers working alongside them in order to expand the capacity for mobilization, in order to engage many more churches in world mission. Now, if you've been in Windsor for a long time, you might think this is quite normal in, in mission engagement and how we do things in Windsor. And it's a great privilege to be in a church like this that has such a long mission history. But there are many churches now across the UK that don't have contact with a missionary or aren't seeing the opportunities how they can play a part in world mission. And so OMF, along with many other Christian missions, along with churches who are mission engaged, want to encourage churches to think how they play a role in world mission. So what I do, I work in the office in Kent, uh, working alongside Nathaniel and Donna as we recruit and train up volunteers who work in this type of ministry in particular areas. So we've been looking to recruit people with particular giftings uh, to work alongside Nathaniel and Donna. Victoria Walsh, who many of you will know, is one of those volunteers. She's working with Bridge Asia here in Belfast and the mission sale. She's an event coordinator. We would love to see more people praying. We've got some people who are encouraging people to pray. We've got some people who are speaking and sharing their experience of what God is doing in East Asia and encouraging the church to see what God is doing in that part of the world. And also we are thinking, how do we mentor the next generation in missions? I was 21 when God called me to go with OM to Russia. And although that was how God had to get me into mission, it would have been very helpful if somebody had been walking alongside me for the first few years to encourage me and help me to think how I could get involved in mission. So we're looking to recruit those types of people. The best way to explain it a little bit more is a video I've actually got. It runs for about four minutes, and these are some of the volunteers who are working across the UK, and they're going to share a little bit about what they do. It's not so much going through jungles in pith helmets and hacking your way through impenetrable jungles is very different now. But that doesn't mean that missionaries aren't needed any longer. Perhaps straightforward missionary work is not quite as popular and as attractive amongst young people as it was whenever I was, was, was young. Bridge Asia is a network of Bridge Asia team members who are working around the UK in mobilization ministry. We believe through Bridge Asia that every Christian can have the possibility to be involved in world mission. Through Bridge Asia and through the possibility to be involved in this type of ministry, they can have an impact in East Asia but by working locally in their own community. 
And my role as a missions presenter is being the person who stands up in front of lots of people and speaks. And I'm going to have the opportunity to do this in November when we're doing a, an event near Colchester. And I will also do a short presentation um, looking at the biblical basis for mission and the problems that may be faced by missionaries. Bridges is a wonderful opportunity, I think, to share my passion for mission, particularly through RMF, with other Christians and with, with churches, with the hope and the prayer that the, that the, the Lord will uh, motivate them to be as passionate and interested uh, and to be engaged in, uh, in overseas mission. I'm a bridge age mentor, which means I see people who are going to Southeast Asia and I answer questions that they might have and I help them to get ready for going. So I've got two small children, so I wasn't sure about the time commitment at first, but because it's only a few hours a month, it means that it is something that I can do and I can do what's on my heart being involved with missions. Yeah, I think missions is a lifestyle. I think uh, for me personally, with my uh, the Lord calling me to mission many years ago, it's become part of, of who I am. But I also see that in many other people as they're convinced of the need to share the gospel with people around the world in their, what they do and a lot of what they do work-wise and in other areas of the life, it becomes just part of who they are and they use opportunities to talk about mission and share it. Fundamentally, we are looking for people who are called to this type of ministry of mobilization because we're looking for people who are gifted in mentoring in presenting, advocating, dedicated to prayer and engaging others in prayer and events coordinating. Through being involved on the Bridge Asia team, I hope that I can inspire people in the way that I was inspired to, to be involved in the mission in whatever way I can, through praying, giving, supporting missionaries individually, going to conferences, reading the magazine, having it as, as, as something that I'm really concerned about. Um, and if I can impart that passion to other people, that's what I want to do. Bridge Asia is something that I can be involved with on a local scale and it makes an impact globally. I think firstly pray. I think, you know, really ask the Lord if this is what he's calling you into. Certainly we'd love to talk to people as they pray through and consider this idea. So we'd be open to talking with you if you're interested in this idea. Ultimately our goal has to be how do we see transformation happening in East Asia? And Bridge Asia, we are praying, will be part of that. You know, every little bit that people can do helps. And we want to get the whole church enthused about doing whatever they can, in whatever way, to help spread the gospel to those who haven't heard. So that's a little bit about the project that I'm involved in. And I really am very uh, encouraged that when you pray for me, and when you, I'm sure the other missionaries in the church would say the same, we don't get to be here that often, but we are, it's a great privilege to know that there are folks in Windsor who are praying for us. And I also get messages and, and different uh, things from people over the year. So it's real encouragement to just know that there's this group of people back here who are very involved at a distance in what I'm doing. And it's also um, the next period of time, we're looking to see how we can recruit people, particularly in the London area. We've got 15 volunteers at the moment working across the country. And so certainly I covered your prayers as we and the other area mobilizers are trying to get more people engaged in London and some other parts of the rest of the UK. We've just seen some folks come on in Birmingham, which has been a big encouragement. So we are making progress and we are seeing the Lord provide people to work in this sort of ministry. 
I also spend a lot of my day in the office. People sometimes ask me what I do. Uh, but I, I spend a lot of the time on the computer and writing various documents, so I pray, uh, we appreciate prayer as well for concentration because um, it's a necessary thing in ministry and facilitating others, uh, but uh, I spend a lot of time doing that kind of work these days. So that's a brief update on what I do. I'm around for about the next week or so, so if you want to catch up a little bit more on what I do, um, I'm around for that. I'm now going to turn to looking at the next part of our series on rhythm and rules. For those of you who've been with us, you'll know that this is a series that we've been looking at for a number of weeks, and particularly focused on the idea of how do we keep deliberately growing as Christians? Some of you may have been Christians for a number of years, and one of the issues is, do you plateau? Do you get to a certain point in your Christian experience? And how do we keep being deliberate about those things that God gives us and the tools and the Bible, community, prayer, different things that enable us to keep growing. David introduced the trellis to us and these are a number of the issues that we've looked at over these weeks in this series. Looking at prayer, looking at sacred reading, Sabbath, friendship, family, body, play, money and work. And looking how as Christians if we're deliberately thinking about what are the patterns, what are the rhythms that we can build into our lives in order to facilitate us in those areas. Tonight we're going to turn to the area of witness and what does it mean to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. In a sense, as I thought about this, I found it a little harder to think what are the rhythms and patterns that you put into your life in order to be a witness. Because in a sense, being a witness is something you are rather than a set of rules and disciplines in what you try to do. But still, there are things that I believe that we can do to be deliberate as witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. The first question, of course, is who do we witness for? And if you want to turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to look at a, a couple of verses here, verse 7 to 10. It's on page 1082 of the Pew Bibles. So John chapter 14, verses 7 through to 10. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he says, If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Who can say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. For three years, Jesus went around with the disciples. He spent time with them. He was teaching them. He was showing them miracles. He was challenging the authorities. He spent time sharing meals with them, doing life with them together. And so they've spent this time with Jesus, and yet Philip still doesn't get it. He'd ha he'd have thought that Jesus was something distinct from God. 
And here Jesus has to remind him that he has shown him the Father through his life, through his deeds, through his actions. One of the questions um, people ask is, how many Gospels are there? This is not a trick question. Hopefully there are some Christians here tonight who've read the Bible. I would actually say there's not four Gospels, but five. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you or I. And how many do most people who are not Christians read? One. You or I. They see our lives, they see our actions, and that's what they think reflects what Christianity is and a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not that they may not go on to read the other Gospels, but they will, if they come into contact with you as a Christian, that may be the thing that they read first, and that may be the thing that says, yes, that's attractive, I want to know who this Jesus who you worship is. Or it may be that they go, I'm not so attracted to that by seeing things in our lives. So one of the challenges is, is how do we come more to know Jesus Christ in order to see our lives transformed more into his image so that when people look at our lives, they see something of Jesus in us. Philip hadn't got it at the time. And Jesus in that passage that uh, goes on to outline in John that the, the words he has from the Father have authority. He's doing the works and the deeds of the Father, the signs that he has been shown uh, that he, as he has gone around with the disciples. He's also done signs and wonders. And if you read John's gospel, you will see lots of cases. And if you read the other gospels as well, when Jesus is doing signs and wonders to declare who he is and the power that comes from the Father. And he lives life in all his fullness. People were drawn to Jesus. It's one of the things in the gospels as well. When you see Jesus' interaction with people, people are drawn to him and they want to know who Jesus is. This is one pattern to maybe consider as we think of rhythm and rules that we could have in our life in order to be a witness for Jesus Christ. This is a, four, is a pyramid looking at the idea of deed, word, life, and sign. And I want to look tonight at these four areas in how to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The first area is looking at life. And one of the biggest witnesses, I believe, for Jesus Christ is the transformed life. Somebody who comes and is a sinner in desperate need of God and has their lives saved and has their lives redeemed, not just from sin, but the effects of sin in order to become more like Christ. And people, when they see transformed lives, can see something different in our life. Second Peter 3 verse 18 calls us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We're called as we grow as Christians to keep learning, to keep spending time in the word, to keep praying, to keep spending time in community, to keep on that road of discipleship in order to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Galatians 5.22 and the verses that following it outlines the fruit of the Spirit. And that gives us a picture of what the transformed life is like in order to, see, as, as God's spirit works in us, we see our lives transformed more into his image. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said these words. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you don't know, was part of the confessing church in Germany during the Nazi regime of the Second World War. And he took a stand. They were asked to make a pledge of allegiance to Hitler. And he said, pastors and churches can't do this. 
and they formed a separate church. It ultimately cost him his life when he was executed on the 9th of April, 1945. And Bonhoeffer said these words, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Bonhoeffer understood that when we become Christians, our life is no longer our own. We have become property of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us, he has given us new life. And Jesus calls us to die to the old self and live to the new. And that transformed life, we are then living out for Christ in order to be witnesses for him in the world. So we're no longer to live our own agendas, we're no longer to live the way we wanted to live. We're called to live another way. That was a radical message of discipleship in the day of Jesus and it's still a radical message of discipleship today, to live for Jesus Christ and to live with qualities, with character, with values that are very different than the world. But it also means we have to share our lives with others and live in community. We have a temptation in the West to live in very isolated community or isolated individuals and not to live in community. And one of the challenge for us as, as churches is to think, and Christians, is how do we live in community and let others into our lives? Um, none of you will know these people on this, this photograph, but these are very dear friends of mine, Fritz and Marianne Juskalian, and, the, and then Fritz a number of years later in the bottom photograph. I worked with them in Russia. And Fritz uh, came to Russia when I was working there with OM and he identified myself and another man and he said, I'm gonna put my life into those two guys for the two years I'm here. And he would disciple me, he would just do life, we'd be uh, doing ministry, we'd be uh, doing practical duties, we'd be repairing something and we'd just be talking and then he said, well, what does that say in Corinthians or what does that say in Colossians or Philippians? And, he'd just be talking very naturally about the things of God and putting his life into me, also correcting me when I needed it, very gently, but you know, he was correcting me and pointing me in the right direction. But he also kept, uh, the, he did this with a number of other people, but he kept contact with me over many years and he also saw the need to keep putting his life into me. He worked with another mission in Russia and when I was in a number of difficulties in 2008, um, he actually flew up from where he was working in Russia to spend four days with me. And I thought he was coming up for a conference or something else and he said, no, I've flown up just to spend time with you. I was blown away. He valued spending time with me and just putting into me so much that he wanted to just live and, and be there with me at that time of need. So sometimes we have to put ourselves out in order to live our lives before others. But that witness, that sense of being willing to put your life and put yourself out for others, that speaks so differently to the world because the world has a very different set of values. Question is though, who am I sharing my life with? Am I willing to open up to people and say, this is who I am, this is who Christ has made me and all the struggles, the difficulties, but this is the hope I have in the midst of all this. It's not necessarily easy because some of those things are painful that God has put in our lives or others have done. But sharing and being willing to live life before others opens up people the possibility to see what Christ has done in our lives and the faith we have. Second of the four areas in the pyramid was deeds. And I want to read out Matthew 5, 16. We'll not turn to it. It says, let your light shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Living your life um, and doing good deeds for people, we are called to do good deeds, and that often demonstrates who we are as Christians and the values we have. But that can also give opportunity to be able to witness. Um, the church I go to in Maidstone, there was a couple in my home group who we helped move um, house a few weeks ago. And Deborah went, the wife, she went to buy pizzas um, for all those who were helping to move house. So it was a large order of pizzas. And the guy in the pizza shop said, you know, why do you want so many pizzas? And she explained, all these people from my church have given up their Saturday to help us move. So the guy started asking more questions, what this church was and who these people were. And he goes, so you're really Christians then? So he was, it was just that simple deed of being willing to go and help people opened up the possibility for her to talk to this person and then develop more conversations and begin to share faith with him. That's in a very simple way, but there may be other areas where we have to think about how we can use the gifts that God has given us and the areas of influence in order to be a witness for him. Um, I want to... When I was living in Russia, in 1994, I got sick with a quincy on my tonsil, and I was hospitalized. Um, and I, they jabbed me 49 times in the posterior to try and give me antibiotics. Uh, it did cure me, but yes, um, it was a little painful. And I thought that was the end of it. That was the end of my hospital experience in Russia. A couple of years later, my team leader at the time had been discovered to be HIV positive. He'd been living in Russia and they th he'd been in hospital and they thought that he'd got HIV from a uh, needle in Russia. They weren't using clean needles at the time. Later discovered he'd got it from a blood transfusion in Finland. But that meant all of us who'd been in hospital in Russia had to go for uh, HIV tests. So I had to go and get tested to see whether I was HIV positive. Turned out I was negative, but it opened up the realization to me, what does it mean for people to live with HIV AIDS? When I went back to Russia the second time in the early 2000s, we began to get the church praying for HIV because there were many people who were HIV positive in drug centers that the church were ministering to. And we got people praying, then I got, did some teaching on HIV AIDS awareness. And this man, Zhenya, the man who's got the paper in his hand here, he was one of my students and he was a former drug addict, and he got a vision to start an HIV AIDS awareness ministry within OM in order to minister to people living with HIV in that area of Siberia. God had brought something into my life which I hadn't had any contact with before, and used that to develop a way to me to, that ended up then with Genya and his family developing this ministry. There are things that God brings into our lives that we don't choose. And there are areas and things that we're faced with that we might not want to deal with. But that gives us an opportunity to reflect as Christians, what would it mean for us to be a witness for Jesus Christ in that area and to show people the love of God and to minister to them? Another quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer when he was thinking about engagement with society. He said, we are not simply to bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. Bonhoeffer realized living in Germany that he couldn't just ignore what was happening. He as a Christian had to get involved 
in resisting what the Nazi regime was doing. There are times when we might be called as Christians to get involved in areas that might be uncomfortable for us or might be uncomfortable for the church, but it gives an opportunity for us to reflect on what does Jesus do in situations and how do we bring the kingdom of God and challenge people to think for the good of society, it might be worth us as a society thinking about these issues. I know there's a number of folks in the church here who are involved in different areas. And there may be for some of you, as you think of rhythms in your life, what are the areas that God might be opening for up for me in order to be a witness? And are there areas that God has given within my sphere of influence, within my connections, where I could be a witness in order to bring his kingdom and show people that there's a different set of values that we live by? The next of the areas is signs of the four areas. If you read the book of John, if you read the other gospels, you can't fail to see that Jesus goes round performing miracles. And he demonstrates very clearly that the power and authority he has over the natural world, over death, over sickness, over demons, as he goes around being a witness uh, for the, his father. When God does these things it's a demonstration of his power and it's a witness to who the father is when Jesus does these things it's not there to glorify himself recently in OMF we've had a family working in Cambodia and uh, they wanted to develop a chicken farm the church wanted to develop a business in this area with not much uh, employment to employ both Christians and non-Christians in raising up chickens on a farm and so one of the problems they faced is there was no water. And they decided, okay, we can drill down and maybe find water. So they, they managed to drill down and find water in this area. Great, okay, we've got water for the chicken farm. Problem was when they tested it, it had arsenic. And it's not a very wise thing to drink arsenic. So they thought, okay, what do we do? Do we bring in filters? Do we bring in pumps? Do we bring in lots of different things that might take out the arsenic from this water? So Carlos, the missionary, then after he was thinking about this, he thought he'll go and talk to the pastor again and think, you know, we'll need to maybe raise some more money for this. The pastor said, it's okay, there's no more arsenic. Carlos is going, what do you mean there's no more arsenic? It's okay, we prayed. So Carlos was still very suspicious, so he took four samples of water and shipped them off to four different labs. When they retested the water, there was no arsenic. God had provided a miracle for that water supply. And it was also witnessed to the community around as they'd been praying that this church was able to help and them in the community. When God moves in that way, as I said, it's a demonstration of his power and it glorifies him. It doesn't glorify the people that are asking God to do the miracle on their behalf. And it's a very powerful witness of him. The fourth area then is word. To look at a, a verse in 1 Peter 3 verse 15. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter is calling us to give a defense of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The defense you have 
of your faith is what the living God has done in your life if you're a Christian and know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something, um, the question is, as we are asked to share that hope, people may ask us questions that we sometimes feel we can't answer when we're declaring who God is. But what they can't change is the fact of what God has done in our lives and the testimony of who Jesus is in our lives. One practical question might be if you're in conversation with different people about your faith is, have you ever asked them what they believe and how they got into that? Many atheists got into atheism because they had a bad experience of the church or they had a bad experience of different things in their past. But people are following different faiths today. People who are atheists still have a worldview in what they do. People who are good secular humanists still have a worldview in what they're following. Buddhists, Islam, Judaism, whatever the word religions, animism, etc. that people are following. People have got into it for a certain way. And people, if we want to engage people in conversation about faith, one of the ways to do that is to ask them questions and to keep asking them questions. Be interested in the things that they are interested in, or at least as much as you are able to, in order to begin a conversation with them. Keep asking questions. Don't just assume that you know why they've got their belief system or why they, they are against considering Christianity. God is interested in people and God is interested in saving people who he created in his own image. It's not our responsibility to save the people that we're being a witness to. That's one of the most important things to remember. As we're called to be a witness for Jesus Christ, we are not the people, we're not the God who's doing the saving. It's the God, Lord God Almighty who's drawing people to himself. And we need to remember as we witness, we honestly and truthfully say what our witness is to the Lord Jesus Christ and then let God move in their hearts in order to draw him, them to him. I was in Thailand last year visiting OMF missionaries, and it was a very different context than we might experience in Belfast. This was a Buddhist temple that the missionaries took me to, and all these people are bowing down and worshipping Buddha. Um, you can't see it in the photograph, but they buy gold leaf and they stick it on the Buddha. So the, the Buddhas were shimmering with this gold leaf. And they also are buying orchids and different things and, and, and uh, trying to get merit from Buddha. They also are very superstitious people. They have shrines around the town. They have shrines in their houses trying to protect them. They're very fearful of the spirits. And uh, apparently the spirits can't climb um, odd number steps, so the, the shrines have three steps in order to protect the shrine. But they're very superstitious about the things, and they believe in the spirit world. And so one of the th things the missionaries, they have to encourage people when they become Christians to realize that God is more powerful than the spirits they fear. This couple, James and Caroline Steer, who were working in Thailand at that time, was an area of 85,000 people and they didn't know of one Christian. So it was an, think about that. There's how many Christians here tonight? There's how many folks worshiping in churches across Belfast? And in that area where they were, there was 85,000 people and not one Christian. So as they're trying to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, they are looking for ways that they can share their lives with people, that they can speak out the word in deed and in, in words, 
and also show people that the Lord God Almighty is more powerful than the spirits that they worship. It was a big challenge to me to go and see them in a very different context and realize that being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ may be different in different areas for the, of the world. But the most important thing is that we witness to who God is and let him then work out the consequences. Hudson Taylor was the man who started um, OMF, the mission that I worked for. 150 years ago this year, he prayed on Brighton Beach in 1865 for 24 workers. He said he had 10 pounds and all the promises of God in the bank to send them to China. And they sailed a year later to China with the tw and 24 people uh, as missionaries to China to start reaching China. But Hudson Taylor said this, he said, many Christians estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources and thus attempt little and fail often in the little they attempt. All God's giants have been weak men and women who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence with them. So as we think of being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, remember he is the Lord God Almighty. We are witnessing about who is the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life. And we let God be the one who draws men to him and women to him. Thank you.